Welcome to the Thriving Faith Podcast, where we believe the Bible is true in its entirety and are here to equip Christians with biblical insights to live a Christ-like life. We inspire you to flourish in every area of your life, mind, body, and soul, to grow in the Word and closer to God, no matter what season you're in. Go ahead and listen in to embark on this life-changing journey to thrive as a Christian. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. This is day 13. Can you imagine we're almost halfway through this? Almost, we're almost there. And if you've been following consistently, thank you, thank you. I do appreciate it. So this is day 13 of the Probable Day Challenge, where we aspire to grow in knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of the Lord as we read through the book of Proverbs. And today we're reading from chapter 13. And usually, if you've been following for some time, the drill is we first read the chapter, then we pick out the golden nuggets, and then we share the lessons, and we call it a day. We call it an episode, let's say that. So, I'm reading from the New Kingdoms Version, and this is what it says. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. He who guards his mouth preserves his life, but he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. The soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. A righteous man hates lying, but a wicked man is loathsome and comes to shame. Righteousness guards him Whose way, whose way is blameless, but the wickedness overthrows the sinner. There is no one, there is one who makes himself rich yet has nothing, and one who makes himself poor yet has great riches. The ransom of a man's life is his riches, but the poor does not hear rebuke. The light of the righteous rejoices, but the lamp of the wicked will be put out. By pride comes nothing but strife, but with well advised, but with that well advised is wisdom. Wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. He who despises the word will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. The law of the wise is a fountain of life, to turn one away from the snares of death. Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool lays open his folly. A wicked messenger falls into trouble, but a faithful ambassador brings health. Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. A desire accomplished is is sweet to the soul, but it is an abomination to fools to depart from evil. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Much food is in the fallow ground of the poor, and for lack of justice there is waste. He who spares his rod hates his son, 
but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. The righteous eats to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. I mean, these proverbs are starting to feel like, you know, little rebukes. <laughs> and I feel cold out in some areas, honestly, because when I was younger, I see a lot of myself and I relate a lot to some of the things that the wicked person does or the things that you do out of foolishness. And I thank God for grace. I thank God for grace and his love and dying for us in the cross that despite that I was a Christian and going astray, here I am. He still loves me and I'm back on the right track. <laughs> I am back on the right track and he still loves me the same. But we see how this chapter starts off as a parental concern, like some of the first chapters that we've, we've come reading. And it says a wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. So as much as I feel like these chapters are starting to feel like a rebuke, I have to take it with the utmost grain of salt and take on this instruction and heed it. So I do not become like a scoffer. <laughs> and it is much of the wisdom that we are getting from here and much of the knowledge that we're learning from the book of Proverbs, we can apply in our homes, in our families, in our marriages, in our workplaces, in our businesses, literally in every, every area of our lives. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to inspire and equip believers to thrive in every area of their lives. And we also see in verse 2, that says, a man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth. And also yesterday we saw in day 12 that you're rewarded of your hard work when you work with your hands and be righteous in the eyes of God. And it is encouraging to see that we bear fruit through our hard work. And as you bear fruit through the hard work, you get a good salary, you get all these things. And even not just materialistic things, let's not forget to love God who has been our ultimate source for everything, literally everything. And don't forget to tithe. Don't forget to tithe. I mean, the Bible clearly says it, that we should take back what belongs to him and our storehouses shall not run empty. So being fruitful and being righteous requires you to tithe. And verse 3 also kind of caught my eye and it says, He who guards his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips shall have destruction. And I think now we're picking on, on a lot of the proverbs that Solomon is giving us here. That when you keep quiet, you avoid a lot of things. You have prolonged stays, like we came seeing in the last previous chapters. You have a better understanding that even when you keep quiet and you literally have nothing to say, you're considered a wise person. So it is best for us to, you know, shut our mouths and our lives shall be preserved. And guarding your mouth and taming your tongue, more like what James says, taming your tongue prevents you from saying a lot of things that you would have regretted. And I remember growing up, my mom would tell me that if you're in a heated moment and you want to talk back, just drink some water and keep it in your mouth. Because then you can spit on that person. Just keep it in your mouth until all the rage and anger is gone. Then you can either talk about it or walk away from the situation if you feel it's not going to yield 
good results. And I feel like this is what kind of what the Bible is calling us out to do, to keep our mouths shut. So, you know what? We can preserve our lives. And also the other verse is verse 7. And it says, there is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing. And one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. Hmm. Tell me about it. People living behind, above and beyond their means. And I don't want to speak like I have never been in this situation. I have been young before. <laughs> and I was very ambitious, very zealous, you know, to become the person that I really wanted to become. And the person I envisioned I would become. But sometimes that meant living above my standards or appearing to be the person that I am not. So kind of like the people that say fake it until you make it. I did not believe in that line. It is such a huge lion's calm of fake it until you make it. Mm -mm. No, no. Pray until something happens is what I believe in. <laughs> Pray until something happens. But here we see the Bible tell us that we ought to be humble. We ought to be humble. Because here it shows us two scenarios of one who literally has nothing but comes out. You know, let's give an example in a realistic world. Uh, someone makes 500000 or let us say $1 million, And they have the latest Gucci. They drive the latest car. I mean, if their parents are not wealthy or they have inherited money somewhere... They're definitely doing things that they shouldn't be doing to earn that money. Or they're living in debt. They're living in debt to, you know, surpass the life that they want to show off. But also it tells us, and there's one who makes himself poor yet has great riches. And that is humility. You don't have to prove your wealth or your worth in time. In terms of, you know, materialistic things. Because humility goes a long way. And, okay, the, this may come off a little weird. God help me. But I have seen people who think being uh, an influencer can get you out of a lot of things. God has given you that audience to influence them, to impact their lifestyle. To inspire them to do good. Not just... To fulfill the selfish desires of your heart. And sometimes thinking that, oh, this is just a joke. But you have a lot of people who God has interested you in. And you're kind of telling them to do dubious things in terms of a joke. There are things that I can see. Okay, that's clearly a joke. But letting uh, stealing, lying slide away in form of a joke. That I do not agree with. So keeping humility and do not, you don't have to prove your wealth and your worth to anyone. God knows how much is in your bank account. You don't have to, you know, go pushing it in everyone's face. And also verse 10 says, by pride comes nothing but strife. But with the well-advised is wisdom. And we came to see in the earlier chapters, I think in chapter 6, where it says one of the greatest things that God hates, one among those things was pride and arrogancy. And here we're seeing that pride comes nothing. Uh, out of pride comes nothing but strife. So God hates pride. That pride is the opposite of humility. And we just saw verse 7 is telling us to be humble and 
10 is telling us not to be prideful. So keeping in mind that you do not have to be proud. Being proud, there is no trophy in being proud. There is no trophy. And this should go to my younger self too. When I was younger, I felt like, you know, I had built my wall way up high. I privileged and I held pride in being proud. <laughs> if that even makes sense of, oh, I know who I am. You ain't gonna mess with me or you can't do this to me. I am above reproach and all that. But the Bible is clearly calling us out on those things. Thank God for grace and thank God for Jesus dying on the cross. Because here I am, truly transformed by his word and striving every day to walk by his footsteps as he leads me and guides me. And the other verse that I see is still verse 7, which talks about reaping from the hard work of our hands. And it says, wealth, guide, wealth gained by dishonesty will be diminished, but he who gathers by labor will increase. Like I said earlier in yesterday's chapter, I said, had earned money or things hold more value to our hearts and we spend them sparingly unlike loose and money that we do not attach any value to because we didn't really work for it so here the bible is also affirming that and the other verse that i see is verse 13 guys i could tell you i could highlight almost everything on these chapters for like the last four days i feel like i just i should just like highlight this highlight that highlight that but the next verse that i see is verse 13 and it says he who despises the word will be destroyed but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded and here we're talking about the word of god obeying god's word comes with a reward and that is through his promises the Bible is full of God's promises towards us if we obey. And also that means following the instructions, his commandments and leading, walking a righteous way. So let us keep being diligent. Let us keep being diligent and gain weight in honesty ways and work with our hands. And also verse 22, which says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And I'm a planner. I'm a planner. And this calls out to plan, save, invest, plan, save, invest. And I keep talking about this in like my circles of life uh, to the people that are really close to me. Because this is so dear to my heart. I'm such a huge planner. And I like to, you know, follow schedule, have everything in place because I easily forget so everything is usually on paper. But here we're telling the Bible showing us clearly to plan for our grandchildren, to save and invest so we can leave an inheritance. Now, this may not just look like materialistic things alone, but it also looks like what is the foundation we're laying for our children? Are you teaching your children the Bible? Are you giving them the greatest inheritance of them all? Are you teaching your children so that when they grow up, they do not depart from that word and then they teach their children. So you're leaving down a whole chain of golden inheritance to your children, to your great-grandchildren. I mean, down the whole lineage, just because you taught your children how to love and serve the Lord. So this calls for 
planning, saving, investing, and also teaching our children about the Lord, taking them to church, uh, dedicating them, them seeing us read the Bible and draw closer to God, them seeing us worship in a raw and most vivid way that they know. And there's this thing that my daughter does. They have one of those small little Bibles, the New Testament Bibles. And each time she sees me read my Bible, because I wake up early, but she's also an early riser. So when she finds me reading, she's like, no touching mama's Bible. Because I told her you dare tear anything in my Bible. You're going to be in for a very, very big spanking. And now she knows it. She just goes, no touching mama's Bible. I'm like, yes, no touching mama's Bible. And she goes, Ili, bring her Bible. She's called Iliana. And I'm like, yes, Ili can bring her Bible. And she's in there telling you, Jesus, she will say like a whole lot of, you know, things I don't understand. But in my heart, I am blessed knowing that she sees me do it. I'm not just doing it to tick off the box, but she, I diligently do it because I want to seek the Lord. I want to train them and raise them in the rightful way. And this is what the Bible tells us. I have a close friend who said that she didn't. She taught her kids how to love the Lord so much and so dearly and so passionately because she could not stand the thought that her children would not go to heaven. Can you imagine that? Just knowing that you did the right thing and you walked with the Lord, but you did not give that to your children and one day you may not be with them in heaven. She said that each time she thought of that, it broke her heart and she did everything she could to train her kids in the ways of the Lord. And one is a missionary now and both her children are saved and are raising godly children too. So let us make sure we leave a golden inheritance to our children's children. And also verse 24, he say, it says, He who spares his word hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And I'd say hate is a very huge word to use in this phase. But this is the Bible. We got to accept it. We got to accept it. We're not going to change anything about it. But seeing here that he who spares the word hates his son, it means that if you do not discipline your child, you just don't want to see them flourish in life. And it also says, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And promptly means like immediately or alion and i'll give the examples from the bible honestly even solomon himself who is writing this proverbs was raised by a father who did not discipline his children and that is david david did not discipline his children we clearly know what happened to his son absalom how he was fighting and it is also through a prophecy that you know his son was gonna fight him and fight for the throne and then the son will die but even amidst them fighting you know what david did he went hiding he went hiding he didn't want to go face his son and tell him what you're doing is not right and guess what when the son dies he is so hurt just like any other parent but disciplining your child goes a very long way and the other example that comes to my mind about disciplining your children and how that can go a wrong way if you don't discipline your children, is the priest Eli. Eli was a very, very powerful man. And 
these children were meant to be priests. But they ended up sacrificing to God with all the wrong sacrifices or even sometimes eating the fatty parts for themselves and not giving them to God. And you know what God says in 1 Samuel 3, 13? It says that, the the prophecy says that he wasn't, that was, that was the end of his priesthood. Eli was going to be the last priest in his lineage. His sons were not going to be. And because he did not discipline them when they did all these wrong things, sacrifice to idols, ate the fatty parts, they didn't do the sacrifice as well, and all these things, Eli did not discipline them. He did not call them out or rebuke them or show them that what you're doing is wrong. The Lord does not like it. He did not do that. And guess what? His sons did not be the priests. And he was the last priest, just like the prophecy said. So let us be very, very, how should I say, very intentional about disciplining our children. Now, there is a difference between disciplining and abusing your children. Discipline is out of the correction and out of instruction for them not to do that thing again to avoid consequences. But abuse is not from a place of love. Discipline is from a place of love because you love them so much. You're doing this because you want to see them flourish. You want to see them thrive in their life. And then abuse comes from a place that is not loving. It comes from a place of anger comes from a place of, you know, triggers, trauma, and all this stuff. And I don't want to say that each time, you know, we spank our children, it's because we're trying to discipline them. Honestly, sometimes it's out of anger because these kids do the most hideous things, I'll tell you that. But we can always return to our own children and tell them, hey, I know what you did was wrong, but I shouldn't have you know, spanked you like that. I shouldn't have raised my voice at you like that. No matter what age, that way they're learning that discipline is from a place of love and mommy or daddy doing this because they love me and they want the best for me. Unless, instead of always yelling at them. And some of the biggest lessons I got out of this is to hate lying and hate sin, hate sin and walk with the Lord. Walk with the Lord, walk with the wise, and always seek wisdom. And to also discipline our children, <laughs> to discipline our children. And it's quite amazing to see how the Bible, you know, gives us ways we can thrive in every area of our lives, to flourish, to live our best lives. So that is it for day 13. And thank you for listening. Feel free to share this with all your friends and invite them to Come join us for these 31 days of a proverb day challenge to grow knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of the Lord. And feel free to follow us on here. Let me know what was your greatest takeaway from this. Are you the disciplinary parent (laughs) in your home? Or are you the one who is going to turn out like Eli and David? So let me know. Let me know. Hope to see you next time. And bye.